Embarrassed? We are so grateful for our pastor and his wife, Danielle. You better get up here, too. It's an embarrassment for everybody. And she's probably running. As, um, as a lot of you know, Pastor Adam and his wife and his family, they do a lot of running. They do a lot of pouring heart and soul into this place. They are doing things that we don't even know about, uh, stuff that I heard about this morning, cleaning bathrooms, wiping windows, making this house a home for a bunch of vagabonds that really need to know more about Jesus. He's, he and his wife and his family make this a comfortable place to come into, a warm, welcoming family. They lay their lives out in the open so all of us can see and know that, hey, he may be a pastor, but he is a follower of Christ just like us, and we all need one another to lift each other up and to know we're going to get there together. And so to this month is Pastor Appreciation Month. Today happens to be Pastor Appreciation Day. And I thought if we could just give some applause to this amazing man and his family for all the sacrifices, that's why we're doing this today. So Pastor Adam, thank you so much. Thanks for making me cry. Awesome. Wow. Whew. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, speaking of losing control. That's today's message. I just been shanghaied by my awesome staff. Thank you guys. Please find your seats. I love you guys a ton. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Wow. Whoo! I feel the love. Wow. Man, I took me by surprise. Whoo! Something you don't want to miss tonight is the missing team or the winning team uh, gets to uh, tar and feather me. And I think uh, Nicole's joining in the fun, but they get to cover me in uh, shaving cream and then they're going to throw cheese balls at me until you can't see me. And then feathers are coming on top of that. And uh, so yeah, don't miss out on, on that. And uh, only the kids are allowed to throw things at me, uh, but uh, we'll make it. But uh, anyways, uh, wow, thank you. I feel very blessed, and uh, it is important. Uh, it, it's, the, it's the call of, of my heart that this place would be a home, that people would feel welcome home to God, his family, and his plan. So uh, that, that some of you and most of you, all of you are feeling that, that's, uh, that's, that's, um, that's good news. Um, I want to start with a story this morning. 18 years old, much younger, these baggy things weren't there. I was looking at a picture of myself where I was 20, uh, 25 uh, yesterday, and I'm like, I don't miss, the, you know, I'm, where did these guys come from? And, uh, and so, and, and the gray and whatever else, but also all of the experiences. But 18 years old, I used to help a guy. Uh, he had, um, or still has, he's, he's a, a cool guy, lives in the community, and uh, he's had a lifelong battle with multiple sclerosis. And uh, as a young guy, uh, he, went to our ch uh, he went to our church, and then different people would help him, and, and I would go over there and do yard work and things like that. And uh, in his garage was a, and still is, a 1968 Shelby Mustang GT500KR. Now, let me tell you something. For those of you that don't like cars. I still don't know why you go to this church because I love cars, uh, and so we'll have to find common ground on other things. I, I do tease a lot, but 
Um, probably in the top 10 of like holy grail kind of muscle cars, this one's in there, okay? This is, this is one of Ford Swans, uh, this is one of their, their top of the line deals. And so anyways, over the years of his uh, uh, disease progressing, he had added hand controls to the car, but at the stage where I started helping him, he couldn't uh, safely drive any longer. And so I knew the car was there, and of course I'd, I knew the car was there. And, uh, and so doing yard work, I was in and out of the garage, and then one day, not like today, but a sunny day, and uh, he said, Adam, he goes, he goes I want to ride my car. And I thought, yes, sir. And uh, so uh, next thing you know, I'm behind the wheel of a car probably at that time worth 50 grand and today six figures easy. And um, oh, that sound, the rumble. And uh, we start cruising around uh, the back roads of Pickerington. We're out here. And then I'll never forget, we're out around, I think it was Snyder Church Road. And uh, he said, slow down to about five, 10 miles an hour. I said, all right. He said, I want you to hold it to the floor till I tell you to stop. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. 18-year-old boy, 68, Shelby Mustang GT 500KR, I said, woohoo! Now, up to this point, granted, I'd other than my dad's uh, business cars, those maybe had some V6s in it. I was used to driving four-cylinder stuff. I did not grow up in a muscle car house. I know that's terrible. And uh, so we got to right some wrongs here. So, I mean, we'd been cruising. Man, I put that pedal down, and I thought I was going to go to heaven. If you've driven an older car, first of all, the steering wheel's like this, and, uh, and that's the best it gets. And the front end of this thing comes, I don't think the tires left the ground, but I felt like they were going to, and all 335 horsepower of this thing were let loose. And we're in a series called Face Your Fears. And in that moment, besides sheer exhilaration and the grin on my face, because no one else has ever been dumb enough to put me in their sweet car and say, put the pedal down to the floor till I tell you to stop. But also in that moment was, am I going to lose control? And there's a reason why he had me do a rolling start, right? Because if I had stomped that thing from a standstill, the, side, the back end would have gone sideways, and without experience, I could have. So he kind of knew what he could get away with with his young uh, 18-year-old idiot over here in the driver's seat. So I don't know who the bigger idiot was, but we had fun. We are closing this series today uh, called Face Your Fears, and this is important because I believe that fear is robbing the body of Christ, the church, you and me, of our purpose and our presence in the active kingdom of God. If you love Jesus, that means you're going to be in heaven someday where everything is right. There, aren't, there is no fear. There won't be any sickness. There won't be any of those things hindering us. But the deal is, is that Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God when he came then and so that we would experience it now. And so we are not supposed to live lives filled with fear. And yet many of us do. 
And so this series is about breaking through those things. And, and it's not going to happen like a magic wand through four weeks. This is something that we've got to fight for as individuals, as families, and as a church, that we would be a people of faith, that we would push through fear and move into all that God has for us. Our core verse for the, for the series is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And then for the New Living Translation, which we use here regularly, it says it this way. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so it's important from the very beginning of this series and our understanding approaching fear is that fear is not from heaven. Okay, that is a clear line in the sand that if you are feeling afraid of something, that is not something that God has given you. Okay? Now, maybe there's some wisdom when the front end of a car is coming up higher than your eyeballs that you ought to use some sense and say, um, is this okay? But as far as being scared of something, as far as being afraid of tomorrow or a doctor's report or what's going to happen and all the what-ifs that we uh, bombard our little hearts with. We started week one with uh, the fear of rejection. And how people approach that week two was the fear of failure and week three was the fear of intimacy last week <coughs> Excuse me. This week is the fear of losing control Proverbs 12 25 says an anxious heart weighs a man down Can you guys agree with that that an anxious heart weighs you down? There's a heaviness to your life when you worry. I miss those 18 year old days, right? When there wasn't a whole lot to worry about my kids will act like they're stressed out about something and I'll be like No, you do not have real stress shut up. You don't have a bill to worry about um, You know your teachers make it way too easy for you and uh, all the things that you know You have to tell your kids because your parents told you Got some questions for you today. This is a survey to find out how anxious our hearts are are you rattled when things don't go as expected? Okay, check. Do you often worry about things beyond your control? Check. Do you lose sleep over pressing issues? Yes. Is it hard to turn off your mind? Yes. Does the unknown intimidate you? Do you often imagine the worst case scenario? <laughs> you people are fun. I actually don't raise my hand at that one. Uh, that's a lot of fun because you're constantly thinking what could happen, and, and, and not just what could happen, but the worst thing that could happen. And we all know that throughout life that there's a full range of things no matter what we do and so to expect the best possible outcome every time is is naive but to expect the worst possible thing every time is pretty crazy too right and that'll leave you kind of a mess um, here's the problem with being an anxious person and worried about the uh, worried about what if is that you are missing the moment now you're actually being future focused, but not in a good way because you're missing the moment of now by worrying about what if, what's coming. 
You see what I'm saying? So what if, what com- what's going to come from this? What if this happens later today? What is going to be the result of this? And so we actually end up putting our focus out on a fictitious future that could, the bad thing really could happen, right? But we are, our mind and our soul, our spirit is bound up with a, with a, a forecast that we can't really know that it's going to happen or not, right? And so what happens is, is we miss what's happening right now. And so I've been around a lot of people, and, and they're just kind of stuck out there, and I so want them to be in the moment with me, right? There's a story uh, in the Bible that comes to mind where Jesus is at his friend's house, and uh, two sisters and a brother, Lazarus is famous because Jesus brought him back from the dead, but the two sisters, Mary and Martha, had this lesson given to them by Jesus because Jesus was there, and it says that, that Mary was spending time with him. And then the other sister was, was, was locked. She was lost just worrying about everything, worrying about the future. And, and he says, Jesus says, why don't you spend time with me? It's the most important thing to be in the moment with me, right? 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. I want to read this to you. This okay this morning? You guys got quiet on me. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. I was reading about an evangelist and a... um, Gosh, he's so many things from the 1800s. Did you guys like hearing how great thou art this morning? Was that cool? Man, it's, it's important that we don't forget the hymns of the church, and, and uh, so you, you all can hold me accountable to that, that we want to mix those in every now and then. But um, that song is so old and yet so true. And uh, this, this man named George Mueller was uh, alive during the 1800s, lived for about nine, 90 years, born in uh, Germany, but he would serve his life in the ministry in England. And he knew what it was to be anxious because God called him to reach uh, the poor and specifically the, the poor children, orphans, and, uh, and, and, the, and the poorest of the poor. And so he would be personally responsible for taking care of over 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. And he would set up schools that would teach basically Sunday school type lessons and Christian education to over 100,000 kids in his lifetime. And he said this statement, one of many. He said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Wow. So we are supposed to be a people of faith. That's what God has called us to do. And it says that even for Abraham, that his faith was credited to him as righteousness. That we're supposed to be defined by faith. We're supposed to be defined by hope in something beyond us. It's supposed to be our ultimate, like a characteristic of who we are. And the fact of the matter is, is that this, uh, the devil is robbing us of this identity because if we are in fear, we cannot be actively having faith. We can't be actively having faith, right? And so there's, these are two sides of a spectrum. And so when we are engaged in worry, 
we have disengaged our faith. Does that make sense? All right. So we are supposed to be people of faith. I want to reread uh, these two verses for you from the Amplified Bible. Uh, so 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. Casting all your cares all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. That's good stuff, right? That's good stuff. And what's, what else is, what's interesting about these verses is this is in a passage where uh, Peter is writing to the elders, the leaders of the church, and he's encouraging the leaders to do this. So why, why does that apply to everybody? Because there's a verse in James that says, so that may, you may be mature, not lacking in anything. And so this faith that we have is a journey, and we're supposed to grow in it. I'm supposed to have more faith today than I did five years ago than I did ten years ago. Does that make sense? Have you ever been around... Someone who's walked with Jesus for 50, 60, 70 years and listened to how they pray for something? Who's experienced that in this room? Somebody 40, 50 years plus walked with Jesus. What does it sound like when they pray for something? Does it sound like they're talking to a telemarketer or a close friend or family member? Do you hear... Do you hear concern of whether God is hearing them when they pray. They speak with absolute boldness and understanding and belief that God is listening and wants to do what they need. It's, it's awesome to be around, and they talk to Jesus like he's next to them. That's where I want to grow to. So we're supposed to grow in our faith. And so Peter is giving this exhortation to the church. He's saying, I want you to figure this out. I want you to trade fear for faith. Does that sound like a good deal? Like every other one of God's offers from heaven, it's a great deal, and yet we hang on to our side of things, like, same time, God, I don't know if you're really going to give me something better than what I'm giving you, right? We keep acting like five-year-olds at the playground, right? I, I, I'm not so sure that you're not taking advantage of me. And God is holding out his hand saying, I've got peace here for you, and I'm just asking you for your anxiety. Okay, well, I think I'd trade my car for a 68 GT500KR, right? It's, it's more of an upgrade than that. And yet we hold on to our fears, right? We have a three-part solution to this thing called fear of losing control, this anxiety, this what if. And so we're going to go through these verses, the amplified ones. Uh, the first one, well, let me tell you all three. I'll give you the Cliff's notes ahead of time. We'll see if you still listen. Humble, cast, replace. 
Okay, and I'll explain those. The first one, humble. At the beginning of verse 6, it says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Set aside righteous pride. This is what I think we fail to understand and appreciate as believers, is that what we think is just a reasonable fear and a normal thing for us to hold on to, all of our what-ifs where we are anxious about they don't have godly solutions in them, do they? No, the real question we're asking is, what am I going to do about this if this happens? What can I do about that? Right? That's really what we're asking. How can I get through this? And so what, what this verse 6 opens up with, it says, you have to humble yourself. What sounds like just fear is really rooted in pride. Because we're actually not, we're, we're thinking of ourselves as having to have all the answers instead of God when we ask that what if question. I do it too. I'm not trying to pick a fight here or make you feel bad. This is what we do collectively as people. And so the first part of our solution to this anxiety, this what if, is we have to bow our knee. We have to humble ourselves and say, God, I need to look to you for today. And actually, the Bible says I'm not even, like tomorrow's going to have enough trouble of its own. I, I need to look for God to move today. Because if God doesn't show up today, then I've really wasted 24 hours if all I did was stuff that I can do on my own. He wants us to live bigger than that, and he doesn't want us to live in fear of tomorrow that he knows about. He just wants us right here. Does that make sense? So the first step is to humble ourselves. And so we've got a pride issue here that, that I don't think we, we always consider when we're anxious about something. Number two. So number one was humble. Number two is cast. Now this word cast is just like if you're fishing. Uh, you are throwing something forcefully in a specific direction. Right? Have you ever seen somebody who knows what they're doing? Throwing that line out there? And they're going to drop that hook right where they want it. And it's this accurate thing. Or like Dwayne Haskins, like... He's casting that football to very specific locations, and he's very good at it, right? Yes, he is. Thank goodness, because nothing else is really great right now. Talking about the Buckeyes again, yes, yes, yes. But that's what casting is. It's, it's throwing something in a specific location, and you are putting effort behind it. This is something that you are targeting and you want it to go there. We need to place our cares onto God. And so it says this, it says, so that he may exalt you to a place of honor at the appropriate time, verse 7, casting all of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on him. Well, the once and for all thing is really God's intention but guess what you and I are going to have to do? I'm going to throw them there today. 
I'm going to have to throw them there again tomorrow because I'm dumb enough to go looking for them and pick them back up, right? And, and if, if you're all honest, you'll say me too because that's what we do. And so God really wants us to place them there and leave them there. But what we do is, is, is we, we give them to him, and then we, we start to think about those what-ifs, and, and before we know it, they're, they're right back on us, and we wonder why that weight is so heavy on us. And so a discipline for us as we're walking forward is to repeat this thing. It's not a, it can be a one-and-done, but it needs to be something that we walk into and develop that muscle of turning things over to God. Replace. Number one was humble. Number two is cast. And number three is replace. Matthew 6.27 says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Your life will be just as long. You just spent a lot of it worrying. So the, the trade is not good, right? And so we need to replace our worries with something else, and, and we're given what to replace them with. It says, for he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts you. Well, how do you remember to trust somebody when you think about not trusting somebody? You have to go back through the replays. And sure, you can find, you can remember where somebody did you wrong, but hopefully the people that are close to you in your life, you'll look back and you'll see a track record of, this person was there for me. This person has consistently shown me love, and that's what I'm going to base my decision today on. I'm going to trust them because I'm looking at the track record. And sometimes you might be in a place where you've got to rebuild that with somebody, and how do you rebuild it? You rebuild it by an action of, of where you do the right thing, you do an action of right thing. And I've, I've told people this for years, especially young people, that if your life's pointing down this way, all it takes is three or four positive steps, and then you've got a new trajectory for your life. Right now, you might be pointing towards uh, death, prison, or both. I've talked to kids in that situation, people in that situation. You can make one decision today to change that course, and if you'll follow up that decision with three or four others, all of a sudden, you've got a new trajectory, right? So we've got, this, we've got this thing where we have got to replace our fears with the promises of God. Faith brings peace. Worry brings stress. Faith draws you closer to God. Worry takes you away from God. Faith changes things. Worry changes nothing. So we've got these three steps, and, and, and if we will walk through these, we will trade pride for promise. Doesn't that sound like a better way to live when you are living inside the promises of God? Think about it at your home. Like my wife and kids, 
we're crazy and we'll make each other mad and, and do what we're all people. But one thing that the four of us know inside our house, and Lily, when she lived with us before she defected, I do have the cutest grandson in the world. Please follow me on Facebook and you will see lots of pictures of the fat monster. He is awesome. But inside our house, you know that there is a promise there that you are loved unconditionally. And so the four of us get to live in this little bubble with how we treat each other, which, like I said, isn't always perfect, but we always never have to worry about our status as being one of the four. I don't worry, and actually my home then becomes a safe place that I can hide out in at the end of the day, right? It's, it should be the one place where I don't have to worry. Does that make sense? God wants us to be a people of faith, people of promise, so that that's the attitude you carry with you. And we all know what those people are like in our lives on both ends of the, expe- uh, of the spectrum. The people that are worst-case scenario people, these people will freak you out. And and these are not the people to run to in times of trouble because um, you're not going to feel better about the situation (laughs) after your time with them. And I'm not talking about ignoring reality, but the worst-case scenario is not always going to happen. You're likely going to have something in between there, and like if everything went your way, which I have never... I don't think I've ever had a day like that. Maybe the 68 Shelby Day, wedding day, and a few kids being born, right? Those are really good days. But most days come with some ups and some downs. And so here we are. God wants us to take our hearts and anchor them into his promises, which as Adam said at the end of worship or during worship, he doesn't change. His promises were true for Abraham. His promises were true for the disciples that that walked with Jesus. And his promises are still true for you and me today. So why not live as people of promise? Because if we live as people of pride, where I've got to figure these things out, and what if this happens? What am I going to do about it? I'm a mess. I want to read to you Philippians 4, 6, and 7. When the Bible tells us to do something that is just seemingly impossible, it gives us something to wrap our minds around and our hearts because that means that he's asking us to do something that only he can do through us, okay? So the very first statement in verse 6, so Philippians 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Ha! What? God, did you, did you edit this part? Because every, everything else around here is pretty reasonable. But he does it again, like up in verse 4, always be full of the joy of the Lord. No, I, I can't do that. I've, I've never been always joyful, right? Have any of you 
always been full of the joy of the Lord? No, you haven't. Have any, do any of you not worry about anything? I think it might be Ada, who's like a few months, like almost a year old, right? Like, babies don't have to worry about anything. And actually, they get upset when they don't think they're going to eat soon enough, right? How do, what is this, God? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. There's our solution. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so we see these steps in here. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Does that sound like humility to you? Yes, it does. I'll give you the right answer. Yes, it does. When we remember what God has done for us, then we are humbling ourselves because then we are not taking credit for our highlight reel. Right? And so when I look back and I say, look what the Lord has done, I'm putting him up here and I'm where I belong. Right? So I'm coming to him in a form of humility. And then it says, pray about everything. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm wasting God's time with some of the little stuff and that he's tired of hearing the same big stuff. Anybody else? Just me? Okay, good. Because this is like, God, like, okay, you already know about that, so, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to rehash that one. And, you know, this is, you know, this little thing is, you know, I don't know if I should bother you. He is saying to not worry about anything because he's also giving us permission to talk to him about everything. And just like in, in um, always go to home examples, if I'm foolish enough to carry the stresses of my life by myself, then it will chew me up. And one of the best parts about marriage is you get to dump your junk on your partner, right? But this is what some people, they, they do. They say, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to stress them out about what's stressing me out. And so what do we do? We just carry it. And I don't think you should just vomit your anxiety on everybody around you. Please, Lord, help us. No. But seriously, why has God given us people to walk through life with? When we have these prayer teams up at the, at the end of the service, go unload what's on your mind and just say, can you agree with me in prayer about this? I, I want somebody else to know what's going on in my life. Do you know how you feel, how much better you're going to feel knowing that somebody else just knows? That's what we're supposed to do with each other, but ultimately we're supposed to include God on everything. So it says humble, but then it says cast, tell God. It says tell him what you need. And then it says then you will experience, you replace. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As we close today, Just a couple questions for you. 
Are you a what-if person? And I think there's a positive side of this where you can always see the possibility of something. I think that's what God wires us that way for. And thankfully, my mind stays there a lot more than the negative. I'm a what is possible kind of, like, what's the best thing that could happen if we do this? But are you caught up today in anxiety? Are you worried about tomorrow at the expense of today? Are you fearful of the worst? And bad things happen to everybody. We did a series, uh, Pastor Scott and I did a two-part series on that earlier this year. Bad things happen to everybody. Good people, what we think are good people and bad people. Bad things happen. They really do. We know that. We've got relatives of people in this room that, that their homes and churches were destroyed in this hurricane around Panama City. We've, th these things happen. But God wants us to be a people of faith. And so the last question is, as we close today, are you willing to trade your anxiety for his peace? Can we bow our heads to pray this morning? This series is, is very real to me and I believe real to every person in this room because it's, it's, it's something that we each have to wrestle with. And I don't know if the fear of rejection is holding you back. I don't know if the fear of failure is holding you back. I don't know if the fear of intimacy is holding you back. I don't know if the fear of losing control is holding you back or a combination of any or all of them. But I do know the Prince of Peace. It's one of the names the Bible gives to Jesus. And he offers his peace to you today. Step one is to humble yourself. To say, I don't have the answers. I can't do it. Number two is to cast your cares upon the Lord. And number three is to receive his peace. Is that you this morning? Do you want to make that exchange this morning? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand where you're at. I want to agree with you in prayer. I see those hands. I see those hands. His peace is real. The Bible describes it as a peace that passes all understanding. It's, it's nothing we can fabricate or manipulate, but you'll know it if you have it, and you'll know it if you don't. Father God, I lift up my brothers and sisters to you, God, as we would humble ourselves, as we would cast our cares. And Father God, I know that you will not hold back your peace from us. So Father God, I pray throughout this room that we would feel a holy touch of your peace this morning. Where there was anxiety, I speak peace in the name of Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus, your heart, if you've never chosen to follow him, 
and today's your day. I want, I want you to, I want to pray with you. Is this your moment? Would you raise your hand? Are you ready to cross the line of faith and trust Jesus with your life instead of your own capacities? Is that you this morning? Would you raise your hand? We always make this available. Is today your day? It's important that we're inviting people that need to know Jesus because I believe they'll come to that place. Father God, we lift up our hearts to you. God, I thank you that we can, by knowing you, know real peace. God, I thank you for the exchanges you're willing to make with us. Our sin for your holiness, our anxiety for your peace. Father God, you have so much for us. Help us to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we close in worship this morning, if you need prayer for somebody, something today, if something's on your mind, a concern could even be for something else, you just want to talk to somebody about something, the smart people ask for prayer, okay? Let's stand and worship and, and